Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Lay Do You Remember This? I'm, of course, your host, Darlene, and today we have a very fun guest, empath and intuitive Jamie Stein. If you listen to the podcast Bitch Sesh, you've probably heard him talking about The Real Housewives, and today I'm going to get his unique perspective on Paris Hilton and her documentary and Britney's conservatorship. Now, if you believe or are open to this kind of stuff, that's great. If not, I think you'll still find this discussion interesting and thought-provoking. So with that, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And follow the pod on Instagram, at this, And look out for the last storytelling episode of Season 4, Mary-Kate and Ashley, The College Years. Also, vote, um, but yeah, only if it's for Biden, okay? And don't drop your ballots in the mail. It's too late. Put it in a box or vote in person. Love ya. Juicy sweatsuits, doing lines in the restroom. All y'all dressed to impress who? 20-something trust is. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Dara. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing, you know fine considering the uh, state of the union but um thank you so much for being here i'm a huge fan of yours from bitch sesh oh thank you i'm happy to be here (laughs) um so jamie you are a uh how how do you put the how do you like identify like an intuitive empath? Yeah, both those things. I mean, I throw around different words, but I usually identify some combination of I'm an intuitive, I'm an empath, I'm a psychic. Um, I do have therapeutic training in a body-based psychotherapy called Core Energetics. Um, But yeah, essentially what I do is I'm able to channel people's unconscious thoughts and feelings. So if I'm working with someone, for example, um, and let's say they're really struggling in an area of their lives, like romance or work or creativity, and they don't understand why, what I'm able to do is to drop in and really feel what's really going on for them in the unconscious landscape um, in regard to the issue. So even though their conscious mind might be saying, hey, these are the things that I want, if there's an unconscious place inside them that's actually saying, hell no, I'll never do this or I'll never let myself have it or actually I'm afraid of it for some reason, I'll be able to tap into that and to express it and to help them explore where and where that's coming from inside them and then how to shift it. So whatever you want to call that, sometimes I playfully uh, call it um, being, uh, what do I call it? Being a psychic emotional, an emotional psychic detective. Ooh, that's yeah. fun. I like that. Um, so when you're just like walking around in your daily life, are you like constantly getting downloads like when you're with people or is it just something when you drop into it that you really feel it? It's both. Um, the veil's pretty thin for me. Um, so yeah, I, I get a pretty... Um, consistent ongoing flow of information just even from casual contact with someone but for me it's like the way I describe it sometimes it's kind of like there's that old metaphor you know following a trail of breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. so the breadcrumbs are always there for me and I get information in different kinds of ways so um, you know I, I can look at someone and kind of read sometimes even just the way their eyes will scan across the room or their body language, or I can feel them energetically. But for me, it's the difference between spotting the initial breadcrumb and whether I actually want to follow the trail of breadcrumbs into the thick of the forest. And so I feel like following the trail of breadcrumbs is when I actually drop in and start to explore the initial impulse. But usually the initial impulse is pretty much always there. I can also kind of choose the degree to which I pay attention to it or even process it. So I do have ways of turning the volume up and down. If you were to um, see, like walk past a stranger and like you got some strong energy, do you ever tap anyone on the shoulder and like, I have to just tell you this thing? No, no. (laughs) You know, 
I don't. I mean, there's a few things I would say in response to that. I, I am a big believer in not delivering messages that aren't asked for. So even in the times where I do have a message for someone that comes through, I'll always ask someone first, like, hey, um, I feel like I have a message for you. You know, do you want to receive it? Um, something about that consent just feels really important to me. Um, and then also, I guess just to clarify, going back to your initial question, I guess it's true that when I'm walking down the street, you know, I do think there are people who, particularly the people who are Clara audience, which means um, when someone's Clara audience, it means they get psychic or intuitive information. Like they will literally hear messages whispered in their ear. And so I think maybe if I were someone like that, who was like getting clear, strong messages, just walking by someone, it might be different. I'm more clairsentient, which means I get information through my body. I literally get gut feelings that I then interpret. So it's rare that I'm just walking past a stranger and I get some kind of strong, cohesive message like, oh, you better go home right now because, you know, your son's about to fall down the stairs. I don't really get information like that. I do just get more general vibes in that situation. And I would have to stop. I think, and start really chatting with someone to start getting more specific information. That said, I mean, tons of times, yes, am I talking to someone at a coffee shop and information starts coming through for them within minutes? Absolutely. And in that case, if I feel called to share it, I'll ask for permission about whether or not they want to hear it. That makes sense. I mean, some people, some people don't want to hear it and it wouldn't even matter if you told them because they just wouldn't uh, be willing to take it on. Um, it's true. Yeah. And it yeah. takes energy to give, you know, like I am channeling something when the information comes through. So it does require energy on my part. So both, I don't want to do something that's going to be unwelcome or invasive to them. And I also don't want to take the time and energy to bring the information forward if it's not wanted. Right. Okay, so you watched the Paris Hilton documentary. Yes. What was your, and as just like a, a side note up top, you're not like well-versed in the uh, Paris Hilton oeuvre. So the documentary was kind of an introduction for you. Yeah, although it's funny, now that you're saying that, it did remind me, I actually did work on the second season of Simple Life, which is <laughs> so funny that I totally forgot that uh, through our correspondence until now. But yeah, other than that, I've really never been, um, I've never, I've never stayed current on what's going on with Paris Hilton. Jamie, I love that that little a gorgeous <laughs> nugget just slipped your mind. Um, what did you do on that show? I So I used to work in reality TV and I worked for Buna Murray, which is the production company that produced Simple Life, mostly on the real world. Uh, but I did, I think right before I left, I finally floated on over to Simple Life and my job, I was called a logger. And it literally meant that I watched just tapes of raw footage of the show and logged what was happening um, in on the tapes. And then those logs would get sent to the story department. And so that's how, the, you know, because the story department can't watch every single right. uh, footage of, uh, every, sec every second of footage. So instead they would read these logs. And then if something stood out to them, they'd kind of highlight it and then go look for the tape. So I was literally paid just to watch the uh, raw footage of Simple Life. That, that is my dream job, actually. <laughs> uh, but so somewhere deep in your subconscious, you actually like really have a feel for Paris. It's so funny. I have so few memories of that specific show. I mean, I really can only remember. I mean, you'd think, because with the real world, oh my God, you ask me anything about those seasons of the real world I worked on, I, I remember the names, the dates, every single thing that happened. With a simple life, maybe I just wasn't as invested in it because yeah. I didn't watch the show. But I literally, like, I remember, I can remember two scenes that I watched. I mean, I remember Paris and Nicole at, like, one particular house. And Nicole, I think, called her boyfriend and snuck off with him. And then I remember one tape where they were, like, responsible for... Um, getting rid of the lavatory waste from an airplane. And that's literally all I remember from the entire season of working on the show. But somewhere, you're right, somewhere in there is some sort of, and you have to keep in mind, this was before I really, 
identified as someone who, you know, was like, you know, picking up on, you know, the unconscious realm. So, but somewhere in there, yes, I have some sort of finger on the pulse of Paris. Um, so what was your overall impression as kind of an outsider to like the nitty gritty details of Paris? You mean from the documentary or from- Yeah, just from the document, well, from the documentary, but also just like what you, what you know about her um, in general. I mean, I, I will say that I was, I was surprised, um, you know, watching the documentary when it started. Um, and obviously it kind of leads by teasing that there's sort of more to the story than meets the eye. And, you know, I was a little skeptical, um, just like, okay, where is this going? Do I trust this? Um, and, you know, then certainly they start framing the narrative that, you know, Paris is one of the smartest people I know. And, you know, me kind of <laughs> sitting there like, is, is she really like, I, I believe that she's smart. You know what I mean? Yeah. But is she really this brilliant woman? But, you know, I will say that I, um, one, I mean, again, this speaks to my own ignorance. I didn't realize how successful she was as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman. So I was just insanely impressed by just the level of success that she's had on her own. Um, but then, yeah, certainly when it got into, um, you know, her history with, with the school and, and, you know, her kind of self-reflection that she's been really running to keep herself safe and to prove something and to prove her sense of freedom, I, I definitely was touched by it. She seemed sincere to me. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was, I, 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 I bought into it. I mean, I'm sure, I, I feel like there's more <laughs> than meets the eye and the movie kind of presented a very, what you might call like narrow look, you know, at one slice of the pie. Yeah. But I believe the slice of pie I was being served. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually going to ask you about that because I mean, Paris is, for someone who is on a reality show, like very cagey about her personal life. And watching the documentary, the abuse at the schools is really like the only real thing we know about her. And just watching the documentary, I felt like it's the tip of the iceberg of the family dynamics and what she's been through. But her aunts, of course, are Kim, and Kyle Richards, uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I was just thinking that the relationship between Paris and her sister Nikki feels very similar, kind of echoes the Kim and Kyle relationship. Did you pick up on that at all? Yeah, it was interesting. I wasn't thinking about it during the movie, um, but then I did start to drop in and explore a bit, you know, like the family dynamics, because I was interested in that, because it's true, the family didn't really reveal itself over the course of the documentary. And I did think it was interesting that there clearly were already patterns set up, like energetic patterns that were set up within that family just by virtue of Paris being sent to these schools in the first place and the fact that she was like running from them. But we really didn't get much insight into, I mean, I think, what did she say? Like, I was picked on. We moved to New York yeah. and I got picked on by the other girls, girls in my school. And that was sort of presented as the inciting incident for her rebellion. So that felt a little bit like we're glossing along the surface of the story. Um, but yeah, so having said that, I kind of started feeling around and I have to say, I agree with you. I actually think there are what I would call almost like shocking parallels, you know, like when I dropped into Paris to Nikki, um, I did really sort of feel this voice. I mean, I, let me just drop in right now, if you don't mind. Just oh, so please. Kind of be fresh. So if I just drop in from Paris to Nikki, Paris Hilton, Nikki Hilton. I mean, first of all, I just feel such a sense of aloneness as Paris. I feel a sense of abandonment. And I really feel this sense, like this voice that says like, uh, like I kind of blazed this trail so that you don't have to walk it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I went through something so you don't have to go through it now. And like really feeling like I, there's a way that I got hung out with, what's the expression? I got sort of hung out to dry. And it yeah. sort of paved an easier road for you, which to me really feels a lot like there's echoes there of the Kim Richards, like, 
I was the one put through this horrible, like Hollywood star machine, not just Hollywood star machine, but also put through like the big Kathy Hilton ringer. And you now kind of reap the benefits because you're not paying the same emotional price that I did, but you get to reap the rewards of the success. And so I do feel a similar vibe with Paris to Nikki of just like, there's a path that I walked that you are now benefiting from. And there's a way that a finger gets pointed at me that just feels very isolating and alone. And there's no real acknowledgement of the price that I paid so that your life is now easier. I mean, that, that makes so much sense because it, the funny thing is too, is like, okay, so Kim, it, lives this chaotic life and uh, has these personal problems. Paris has her own problems. And it's like, yeah, they suffered whatever sort of the brunt of the parental trauma and Mm -hmm. they're showing the signs of it while Nikki and Kyle get to, you know, walk off into the sunset with their normal husbands and their their children Mm -hmm. because they took the brunt of it for them. Exactly. And I think not only that, not only, not only that, but I think with both Kyle and also Nikki, and again, this is purely just off like my kind of intuitive antennas. I think there's also a lot of mileage that they get out of colluding with the parents Mm -hmm. against the problem child. Um, Because when I drop into Nikki to Paris, um, and I'm just going to go in right now to see if there's fresh information. I mean, one, Nikki to Paris, it's very much like, uh, <laughs> when I start doing it, you can't see me, but it's like I'm closing my eyes, kind of shaking my head back and forth. And what I hear from her sort of most immediately is, most immediately is like, I don't want to know it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know it. I don't want to see it. Meaning like, I don't want to see what you went through. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to take your pain seriously, seriously, because I don't want to have to question the whole house of cards our family has built, like around the different roles that we play and around you being the more chaotic, troublesome one. Like, I'm comfortable here. I don't want to have to know your pain more deeply. One, because it is going to, one, I'm going to have to look at my responsibility in all of this Mm. in ways that I've played into a system that has been unfair to you. Two, I then have to give up this role and identity as the good daughter, you know, the one who's sort of colluding with mom and dad. And three, if I let myself feel your pain more fully and if I take your pain more seriously, there's a way in which I then have to look at the ways I've been in pain that I don't want to look at. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I feel like little Kathy, uh, Paris's mom, I feel like maybe mm-hmm. played that same role that Nikki plays also where she, I feel like she really colluded with big Kathy and she's like taken on the mantle of um, the keeper of the secrets of the, mm-hmm. of the family because they are so cagey. They don't like to reveal anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, if you want, I mean, I could drop in. I can see if there's anything from Kathy to um, Kim. Is that what we're kind of like talking about? Right? Yeah. We're talking about like the good sister to the, because it's funny because, you know, Kathy in the world of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, she's been on here and there, but she's always been the missing link, right? Yes. So I've been very dropped into Kyle and Kim. And Kyle is interesting because when I drop into Kyle towards Kim, I actually just feel the part of her that wants to just blame Kim for everything. I feel like all the rage that Kyle has never let herself feel towards Big Kathy, I just feel like it goes towards Kim, which is different. I don't feel that same level of rage from Nikki to Paris, which Mm -hmm. I think is an interesting contrast. But yeah, it might be interesting just to see like if there's anything that comes up from Big Kathy to Kim. Yeah. All right, let me drop in. So this is Big Kathy to Kim Richards. Big Kathy, okay. Oh, it's interesting. So this is exactly like Nikki. It's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to see. Like, the, it, But with her, the flavor of it really feels connected to what was going on with Kim connected to her career. Mm. You know, and, and I don't know how dark you want to get on your podcast, but it really feels like, I mean, and you know, I think, I don't know. Um, 
I don't know how like tapped into all this your listeners are, but you know, there's a lot of rumors and rumblings out there about what Big Kathy subjected her girls to as far as like, you know, grooming them. I, yeah, did you want to say something? Oh, I will. I was, I go as dark as you want. I mean, <laughs> like go for it. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've heard some of the Big Kathy, uh, like teaching Kim how to have sex in a van, like, crazy things like uh but go on yeah like uh, yeah so i've heard the same rumors about like hiring a guy to take kim's virginity in the back of a van to teach her to be a good lover uh you know to land a rich man and certainly even if let's just say none of that's true i think it's safe to assume that these girls were taught about the value of landing a wealthy man because they all did land wealthy men and so even if even if it's not as gross and distorted as the van rumor (laughs) Clearly, there were underlying messages there around how to use and wield your sexuality in exchange for money and wealth that I'm sure did not feel good <laughs> to these young girls, you know, growing up. Um, and so anyways, the flavor of the, the um, of little Kathy to Kim, it really did feel like you're going through some stuff in the Hollywood machine. And it, to me, it does feel dark. It does feel like it has dark sexuality to it. And it's like, I don't want to know because like, this is the way it's set up. Like you're supposed to be out there doing this thing. It benefits the family. I can't know this. I can't see it because it's like, if I know it and see it, then I have to like say something and I have to take Mm -hmm. a stand against mom and I'm not willing to do that. So it really is kind of like, you can just be the sacrificial lamb and i just feel it's like a curtain that drops that's what i see it's like a big red velvet curtain that drops between um little kathy and kim and it's like what goes on backstage is what goes on backstage let me just see if there's anything else that wants to come through oh kim oh kim like that's kind of like oh kim oh kim oh that's just kim you know it's just like she just doesn't want to in the place where she doesn't want to know and she doesn't want to see like oh kid crazy kim Right. Because again, it's like if I if I let myself really know, it's a house of horrors. I I can't know that. And much like with Nikki, if I let myself real, if I realize, if I let myself realize what Kim went through, I have to realize the house of horrors I grew up in. And even if I didn't go through the same shit that Kim did, I have to start owning what I did go through. I don't want to know that. I don't want to feel that. So I'm blocking Kim out. I'm blocking myself out. Let's just keep everything, you know, at a certain level. Another thing I I realized too is the Richards sisters all, you know, talk about Big Kathy with this reverence that she was such a great mom and just little little asides here and there that like, oh, well, you know, she she was a stage mother, but she was so great. And from all accounts, she wasn't. And I see with Paris and Nikki also an unwillingness to say anything too negative about their mom. And I find that so interesting that they're so hesitant to just lay it out there a little more, both sets of sisters. You know, I would say you have no, well, maybe you do. I want to say you have no idea how common this is. I mean, it's, you know, as someone who works with people, um, I just cannot tell you the number of times that I start to pick up on information that wants to come through about, you know, you know, experiences people went through in their childhood and in their family of origin where they learn certain things. And the number of times that I'll start bringing forward this information and people are just like, I, I no, I don't know what you mean. Like great childhood, great relationship with my parents. Absolutely not. And then it's just like, the more we get into the conversation, they start letting little things slip, you know? And then I'll be like, wait a second. Like, can we return to what you just said? And then they'll be like, well, yeah, like that may have been okay, but I don't think it had an impact on me. But meanwhile, they're crying. And then I'm like, are you aware that you're crying right now? And, you know, I think what I want to say about, I mean, there's so much that we could say about that, but I think that you can never underestimate. First of all, you know, people get indoctrinated to believe certain things about themselves. So, you know, in the place where Kim Richards believes she is this sort of chaotic fuck up, there really is a way that I don't think she fully understands that she went through something horrifying and violating. And if there's a part of her that does understand that, she will then question 
her right to feel that way. Well, my mom, she sacrificed everything for me and she was a single mom. And you have to remember, we love our parents. You know what I mean? And I think for a lot of people, it's very hard. I mean, we're seeing this in the current like political climate. It's hard for a lot of people to navigate a world in which multiple things can be true at once, where it's like, we love our parents. We, we know they're fundamentally good people for most of us. We see how they've tried. We feel their love for us. And that doesn't have to preclude that they may have made some really, really deep mistakes that had an impact on us, whether unconscious or consciously. And I think the other thing that happens for people is they, they fear that if they let themselves know like, hey, this thing happened that was so fucked up. They think it means, oh shit, like I've got to, you know, turn against my parent. I've got to view them as a bad person. I've got to go confront them, da, 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 da. And that's not always the case. It's like, no, none of that has to happen. This isn't about like blaming them, but this is about you getting into emotional reality about what did happen and its impact on you and your right to have your feelings. So I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, No, I but- love it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just want to say, like, it, it, in a way, you would you would sort of think, like, how can they be so blind to what was going on? But especially if you think about the culture of the fact that, like, there wasn't a dad around, I, I feel like it was very much like us versus them in terms of the family unit. Like, we got to stick together. And so I'm sure there was this real sense of, like, you know, these, how many, like, these four women sort of bonded together, relying on one another, sort of loving each other, and then the way that Big Kathy really did indoctrinate them into a certain way of looking at things from, like, a really young age. It's like, a fish doesn't know it's in water till it's out of water, and I think these people are all still very much in the water that they grew up in. Yeah, they have, it, it seems like they, they don't, have a full grasp of, oh, this is not necessarily how uh, a mother should be treating her daughters, or these are not lessons she should be teaching them, because it's the only family you know, so you don't know the difference. Yeah, and you can see, I mean, you can see Kyle, Kyle clearly does not feel she has any right to her rage, you know, which is Mm -hmm. why we see it come out in these very kind of like, you know, in these ridiculous situations on the housewives like this is a woman who i just feel like i don't think i think you know she grew up feeling like if i have my no or my rage towards my mother i'm gonna lose all connection with her i'm gonna lose connection with my primary caregiver so that's a really deep message and so you know like i said i to this day you can see kyle does not have strong boundaries mm-hmm. she does not she doesn't feel like she has a right to this anger and you know i won't go deep into the beverly hill stuff but i to this day still think her big issue with denise this last season stems from the fact that she was so triggered around dorit having like having a strong no having boundaries at teddy's event Whereas Kyle was like juggling 5,000 balls to get there and to be the good girl, to be the good employee, to be the good friend. And I think when Denise took Dorit's side, she really um, experienced that as like, Kyle, I'm not like, Kyle's sitting there trying to be a good girl. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And when Denise comes along, it's like, Kyle, what's the big deal? Get over it. <laughs> I think Kyle really interpreted that as like, you're not seeing my goodness. And I now want to annihilate you for it. And I think that Kyle spent the rest of the season unconsciously wanting to punish Denise for like, for really, I mean, not that I think Denise was actually doing this, but from Kyle's perspective, really overlooking her, her goodness in the way that she was trying to be a good girl. That's good. That's, that's really good. I like that. (laughs) So what did you think about the scene between Kathy and Paris where Paris finally tells her about the abuse at these schools and Kathy kind of is like, what? I, well, I I had no idea. I was infuriated. I reconnected with some of the girls from Provo. Right. And Katie is one of them. And Katie is doing this entire movement called Break Code Silence, which is survivors from these schools speaking out about this my old roommates and and everyone made a sign and it basically says like what the school did to them and now everyone's speaking out about it because they're realizing that a lot of the things that happened in their life is because of the school. Acute panic disorder, nightmares and insomnia, trust issues. And we're all gonna post it and basically raise awareness. 
verbally and emotionally, physically abused me. Mm -hmm. Just screaming at me all the time. Right. Strangling, locking me in a room. I know this is something that we've never discussed before. Mm -hmm. They were constantly being abusive in every way. But I couldn't tell you guys because every time I tried, I would get punished by them. Or they would say, we're just gonna tell your parents you're a liar and they're not gonna believe you. And basically, I, they just told me that so many different times that I was afraid to ever even say anything or bring it up. Had I known this and you know that dad and I would have been there in one second. It was definitely an interesting scene. It definitely felt like there was a lot being unsaid. Um, you know, it might be interesting even just to drop into them for that yeah. specific scene. But I, before I do that, like my initial hit is that, you know, I think it's it, it, it's tough to say because they both really do hold their cards so closely to their chest. It did feel a little bit like it could have been a power move on Paris's mm. part. Like, yeah. the cameras are here. This is on film, you know? So you know this is going to be seen in front of the world. Um, let me just sort of drop this information. And so, of course, Kathy knows there's a certain way, right, she has to react and respond to it. And, of course, there's going to be discomfort there for her around, like, my involvement and my part in it. So yeah, of course, we see her in as elegant a way she can, trying to like, you know, make sure everyone knows, like, I didn't know, I'm not culpable, I'm not responsible. And it almost felt to me like Paris was a little bit like, okay, I'm letting you have this. Yeah. <laughs> it, it almost felt like a silent weapon to me from Paris's point of view. Like, I'm, I'm kind of... You know, like the, your, your head's in the guillotine. I've got my hand on the switch, but I'm letting you do your thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure Paris knew exactly what Kathy's reaction was going to be. Just, you know, from the patterns of her entire life that it would just be like, whoop. Oh, yeah, I didn't know. Oh, wow, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it felt a little, it definitely felt like it had a little bit of the energy of the fuck you, you know, like, fuck you, I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm putting this out there on camera. Um, I mean, if you want, I can drop in and just see if I. Yeah, for sure. Anything. All right, so let's just drop it. This is a Paris to Kathy in this specific scene. Okay, Paris on the Kathy. Yeah, it's a little, I mean, you know, it doesn't feel quite so vindictive, but it does feel like it has the charge of like, yeah, I'm doing this. Like, I'm doing this, I'm saying it. Kind of, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I do know you can't, you, <laughs> you can't, you can't, your, your hands are tied here because it's like camera. And then there's a little bit of like, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I know she said her mom didn't want her getting into the modeling. So it's interesting that I'm feeling this, but um, I felt a little bit of a flash of like, I'm turning, like, I'm turning the power of the camera back on you. You know what I mean? Like in this yeah. place where I've become the star and I've become this fodder, you know, and I've, I've become like for the paparazzi and I've kind of, uh, there's something that I've done for the Hilton name. Okay, now the cameras are getting turned on you and I'm using them. Um, I'm turning them against you somehow. I felt a little bit of like, it is. It's like, this is my, this is my weapon right now and I'm using it. And yeah, you're not getting out of this. Like I'm kind of backing you against the wall. That, I mean, it does. I was thinking when, when Kathy was saying, I never wanted her to be a star, blah, blah, blah. But then Nikki says, Paris was never the girly girl. I was growing up. We were different. I was definitely more girly. Well, I was more into sneaking into my mom's closet and playing with her clothes and her shoes. Paris was more a tomboy. Are you going on the golf course, Paris? <laughs> she has this persona that she's this sexy, you know, bombshell, but she really is like a boy at heart. And that is true from just what I know about Paris, like she used to play um, ice hockey. <laughs> like she, it sounds like she was a different person that Kathy molded her into something else. And it's like, well, 
why would you why would you put in that time if not for her to be a star yeah it's interesting um i mean do you want to visit kathy to paris in that scene yeah yeah let's let's do that okay so this is kathy held paris home in that scene <laughs> i don't know it's funny a smile crept on my face um the first thing that i heard was like oh boy here we go <laughs> um yeah it's funny because then i like sort of launched into a smile and again, you can't see me, but um, the smile is sort of frozen on my face. So the smile is kind of like, oh, okay, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, everything's fine. So yeah, it's first like, oh God, here we go. She's doing this. Let me put a smile. I mean, not that she was smiling in the scene, but kind of like the underlying energy of like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Let me just get through this. Let me just get through this. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a similar version of like, let me just turn the volume dial down on what Paris is saying. Like, let me kind of, like, I hear what she's saying let me just kind of like not take it in all the way kind of put this frozen smile on my face and just say what i need to say to like get through this mm -hmm. and it's like i i yeah she feels a little caught here whether she actually knew or knew more than you know she says she knew who knows but i think she still feels caught in terms of just like the deeper patterns that she set into motion and so it's just kind of like part of me is pissed part of me is part of me is outraged actually but it's just like i know i know that like there's a certain face i have to put on this so let me just get through this that's really what it feels like it's like let me just get through this and if i just kind of like say what i need to say and kind of put my nose to the ground and barrel ahead you know I, like i don't know later tonight in, when i'm alone in my room i can have feelings about it but i just I just need to get through this in the moment. Right. Um, one last question about Paris, and then we'll we'll move on to Brittany. But um, one of I, one of the scenes that I feel like everyone who saw the documentary um, mentions is the uh, scene where she's at the music festival with her with her boyfriend. Alex, can you tell him to chill the f out? This is f up. I'm playing Tomorrowland. He needs to chill the f out. I'm sick of this shit. I'm playing in six minutes. So insecure. Stop! Are you really doing that before my set? Okay, then never speak to me again. Tell him to chill the f out. Please stop! I love you. Please stop. Please stop. Please. I don't love me. I'm begging you. Stop! I started four minutes. Please. I started three minutes. Do not read my set. Can I have his f***ing bracelets cut off? Can we cut his bracelets off? Can we cut his f***ing bracelets off? He's f***ing ruining my entire set. Please, please, I'm gonna start crying on my set. Please. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Oh my God. I got it. What did you make of that whole, that whole scene, that dynamic? I just feel a, such a complicated relationship between her and men um, mm -hmm. that, and I think I think it goes all the way back to her father. I think that's part of the Kathy stuff too. I feel like um, um, when I <laughs> when I drop into her and her father Rick, um, it's funny when I first drop into her father Rick. I, I first just. Um, I get images sometimes when I do this and like I see her as like a little like um, pirouetting ballerina just sort of dancing, you know, spinning mm -hmm. circles around her father and it like kind of like what they presented in the video footage. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was like, but this doesn't feel real. Like this feels like a performance. And then I was like, okay, so let me, let me like, okay, let me force myself as Paris to really drop in a relationship with Rick. And um, I really kind of let myself see Rick full on. And what came through was just like this, I mean, and I'm experiencing it again right now. It's just like this voice inside that just wants to push him away. That's like, get away from me. And it's like this, and kind of like that energy you saw with the boyfriend, like when she was like freaking out on him, like just wanting yeah. him away. And it was interesting though because there also felt like this deep desire for surrender too and this deep ambivalence around that and 
the more that I sort of felt into it, the more that I really felt like I, I do feel there was this really deep connection between Paris and her father and a deep love. She feels so attracted to men. Like, mm. I really feel like she feels so drawn to men. And like, when I drop into her to like that particular guy, you know, I feel her deep attraction for him. And it feels like connected to her essence, like part of her loves men and masculine energy. And it's like a heart energy and a sex energy. She feels so excited and turned on by men. And I think there's a way that, you know, you know, as it happens with children, like that starts often with our parents. And when I kind of drop into Rick to her, and, you know, I'm sort of chuckling because, again, I know nothing about this guy. But what comes through me when I drop in to young Paris is this sense of, like, I'm putting all my energy into this little girl. Like, I just, as Rick, it's like, I love this little girl. I worship this little girl. It's all about this little girl. And it actually feels a bit of a fuck you to Kathy. Ooh. Like, yeah, like, I'm putting all my energy on her. And so in that place, even though Paris wouldn't be consciously aware of it, it feels like there's even cruelty attached to it. Not towards Paris, but there's cruelty in the energy in that he really kind of like cultivated this closeness, which I have to imagine if you're Kathy, even if you're not fully aware of it, like it's gonna create some sense of competition Mm -hmm. Right or resentment. I also, I mean, I'm just freewheeling now, so hopefully, <laughs> ride with me. I also feel from Kathy towards Paris, kind of like, because you know, Paris was this free spirit, right? Yeah. And it's almost, and she was a lot more protected, I think, than Kathy was growing up. And yeah. I, I do get this sense of like jealousy. Like, mm -hmm. wait a second, why do you get to have all this protection? Why does your spirit get to soar? You know, mine didn't. So yeah, like you better keep that tamped down, young lady. And then especially if Rick's giving her a lot of attention, I can really kind of feel like, uh-uh, like this ain't fair. Like, why do you get this when I don't? Um, oh my God, I feel like I've totally gotten away from the plot of the boyfriend. Um, <laughs> let me just sort of wrap this all up and then I'm sure you have things to say. I guess what I feel, I feel like somewhere along the way, Paris kind of felt used. You know, mm -hmm. like Rick felt used by her parents. I feel like there's sort of a probably a moment in time where Rick sort of probably withdrew that sort of intensity of love and affection for whatever reason. And so it's like when I drop into Paris now in relationship to men, it's like I will never, it's just like I will never let you get the best of me again is what I feel like. It's like yeah. there's part of me that's so drawn to you. I'm attracted to you. I love you, but I am not willing to risk the vulnerability of being that connected to my heart energy again and getting hurt with there or fucked with there. And so it's sort of like, and I think that's why you see that push pull with her energetically and with this particular guy, to me, it just really felt like, <laughs> it just felt like, oh honey, you have no idea what you're walking into. Like I'm yeah. attracted to you, but like, welcome to my spider web. Like <laughs> I'm gonna toy with you and then I'm gonna spit you out. And I think unconsciously for Paris, it's like, this feels good to me because this is where I have power and this is where I have control. And in the place where I got hurt, I'm making sure I'm never getting hurt again. And I'm just going to sort of toy with you the way that I was toyed with. And that makes so much sense, too, um, that she's just never going to let herself get hurt again when she um, breaks up with him. And then you realize that she's gotten rid of every laptop mm -hmm. she's had when she's broken up with a guy. I mean, that seems like a, a very strange um reaction like a huge reaction to you know you can you can wipe that laptop clean you don't you don't need a new one well especially i mean setting up surveillance footage i mean yeah it's very it's all about power and control you know um so yeah so that's why you know i always feel like the the flavor of the original wound is in everything we do so the fact that there is such a theme of power and control to me kind of confirms the fact that there's something she learned early on around like gotta have the power and control at all costs because there was a place where she felt kind of taken advantage of used and abused in some way mm -hmm. um yeah. do you think she'll do you think she'll ever get married she i mean she always talks about how she wants to wants to be married wants to have kids but like nikki says if you wanted it you you do it already 
You know, you know, when I drop into Paris towards like having a kid, what I feel about her, what's interesting about her, and you know, and I feel this when I feel her ambivalence around men, and I feel that vulnerable, that vulnerable place she wants to avoid. As I said, I really feel her heart, mm-hmm. and there's something about her, and she kind of speaks to this in the documentary. There's something about her that does feel so childlike, not like in a in a magical way. She feels sort of eternally young. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something sort of playful and magical and childlike about her, which I think is a part of her image and her brand. And so when I, I think that's a core part of who she is. And so when I drop into her towards like having a kid, the voice that I kind of hear is like, I'm not doing, I'm not bringing a child into this world unless I can truly do right by that child. Like I'm not fucking up an innocent kid the way that I was fucked up. Cause I think she's so protective of that young child in her. And what I feel off her, and again, I'm speaking to the unconscious, but I think there's part of her that knows where I'm currently at. I wouldn't be able to be that true safe haven. And I'm not, it's almost like, it feels like a form of integrity. It's like, I'm not willing to bring a child in and bring them into this web that's sort of like been created generationally in this family. And I won't do it until I'm like sorted out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even if part of her does want it, I think there's something in her that's kind of saying, I'm not bringing a kid in this world unless like, I, I know the kid's safe. And right now I don't think the kid's safe. Oh, Paris. I mean that, yeah, that... That definitely makes a lot of sense. Let's switch over to Miss Brittany Jean Spears. I just wanted to talk a little bit with you about the conservatorship, the free Brittany of it all. Over your research that you did, I sent you an article about the details of the conservatorship and stuff. What was just any hits off the bat that you got? from the situation? Um, You know, I think that, you know, maybe this is stating the obvious, but I think, you know, the general underlying pattern I feel to all this, like from her family to her, is kind of like, yeah, we want to use and commodify your creative power and your wildness, but like we only want it going so far. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like we want to use it, you know, for its success, but we also want to control it. And um, I think that's been at play since the beginning. And so the conservatorship to me just feels like an absolutely sort of magnified version of that. Um, I mean, that's sort of like my big picture note. Yeah. Um, I don't know, do you want me to say more now or do you have specific oh, questions Oh, no, it? no, uh, say more, say more if you, I if mean, you got I, it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, I mean, yeah, I mean, I sort of dropped in. I mean, I do wanna say like, you know, because you were posing a question in the email about like, will she ever get out of it um, and sort of have a life for herself? And I think it's interesting because I actually feel a deep part of Brittany that doesn't want to not have a conservatorship. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel a part of her where it feels safer and kind of like a relief to in some ways have other people who are responsible for things. And it's almost like if she doesn't have that in her life anymore, her life does become her responsibility. And I feel this place where it's like any mistakes I make are my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and a place where she doesn't trust herself because of course she's learned not to trust herself. I think she's probably getting that message from a young age. Like you can't trust yourself. There are parts of you that are, you know, too much, too wild. And I think she's, you know, I think as a result, she's learned not to trust herself. And then as a result, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? She's had real episodes of being wild and out of control because it seems like her energy has never been allowed to be fully integrated. Um, So I think there is a part of her that probably feels a certain sense of safety and relief. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I always go back to that movie Room, you know, the movie oh, Room yeah. with uh, Brie yes. Larson. It's like, to me, that was always a metaphor of like, you know, we all have our rooms we live in. And then, you know, one day do we leave Room and then the adjustment that can be. And I think for Brittany, 
this dynamic with her family that's been in a room, you know, and you have to remember she's never not been in room. And so I have to imagine the idea, even though on one level it might feel really liberating and amazing to suddenly have the freedom that she may have consciously always wanted. I think on some unconscious level, there's probably a part of her that is terrified of not having that kind of overarching um, structure in place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether or not that needs to be her father is another story. Right. Um, I imagine, because you asked, like, will she ever not have one? My feeling, honestly, I think she always will. It just might, like, I think right now it's sort of transferred, right, to people who might have more of her best interests at heart. Like, that's kind of that's the flavor what the, right now. That's what they're trying to move towards. Um, not necessarily dissolving it, just moving it towards more of a third party Uh, with less skin in the game. I think, yeah, like that sort of might be the direction it goes. I don't ever feel it. I mean, not that I'm in the business of predictions, but I'm just saying, you know, when people ask me prediction questions, what I do is I feel into what feel, like I think, you know, not to get too kind of into the spiritual realm of things, I believe, you know, in alternative timelines and infinite possibilities. But what I do is I kind of feel into what's here and what it feels like the current energy is presenting. To me, when I sort of feel out there, what it feels like is there'll always be some form of like checks and balances with her. There's mm-hmm. part of her that finds comfort in that. And I also got to say too, um, cause you also mentioned in your email to me, I guess there's been some conversation around um, like that she hasn't seemed like herself lately and sort of what that's about. Yeah. Uh, like the people, I, I feel like people say, you know, there's the old Britney, the, the Britney that, we grew up with and then there's just this in recent years you know she speaks differently she looks different like it's not it it's not the same person that we grew up with and like could we could she ever return to some some piece of that former self well that's i mean that's an interesting question and maybe we can drop into that you know i i will say to speak to uh, my sense of what's going on with that Every time I drop into it, she just feels um, kind of like deflated and defeated. Like that's Mm -hmm. really what I get off of her. It's kind of like a little bit like, what's the point? You know, it's like, um, I feel, because the thing is, you know, I did research and I read her Wikipedia and everything. And I mean, first of all, again, much like with Paris, it was just interesting for me to learn about her because (laughs) I feel a little self-conscious saying this because it really shows my level of like pop culture ignorance. I, I really didn't understand how successful she is and not just how successful she is i didn't understand how how much of that was generated from her you know what yeah. i mean that she really is an active participant in her music and in her performance and she's really tapped into something you know and yeah. so um you know i think that for her it's like but what i think is interesting is that the music it i dropped like when i drop into britney in her relationship to music to me, it just feels so connected to her heart. Like, like right now I'm dropping in a Britney and I'm just seeing like a musical, uh, like sheet music. And it just feels like this energy wants to burst forth from her heart. It feels like she wants to share something with the world. Honestly, what I really feel from her is this sense of like, it feels very directed to girls and little girls and like adolescents. Like you can be anything you want to be. You can be who you want to be. Like it really feels like she is something she wants to share. Mm-hmm. But what I'm aware, so it feels so connected to her heart energy and she's clearly so powerful here. But what I'm aware of is that it feels like her music, her music has always been co-opted in some way. And so I feel like she's never had a chance just to have her own relationship to her music because from the beginning, sort of her family was involved. And I do feel for her, like because of the control of her family, her music has kind of been an ambivalent thing where it's like, on the one hand, it feels to me for a while, like there's part of her that's felt like the music's mine. Like, even if I'm getting controlled in certain ways by my family, the one thing they can't touch is the music because they don't have that gift, I have it. And there's a certain way in which they have to let me call the shots because I'm the one generating the success. So I feel that sort of defiance and sort of sense of protectiveness from her around the music. But then of course, there's also like, you know, the cage that it creates and 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 just sort of all the ambivalence it creates because 
you know, it still is within this family structure and then it's getting used. And I feel like given the way that it just feels like the screws have been getting screwed tighter and tighter. And now here she is, she's almost 40, right? Is that, am uh, I yeah. correct in that? Yes, yes. You know, which is like a really big, you know, speaking from experience, it's a big birthday, obviously. And so I just kind of feel like looking at the, re looking at what's happening in her life, that's the other thing that I'll say about this too, is it feels to me kind of looking at her stuff. It's like she keeps trying to grow and grow and grow within the confines of the stifling structure that's been set up for her. And I, it does feel to me a little bit like as I speak that she kind of hit this wall of one, where can she really grow, go from here? Right. Mm -hmm. It's like almost like bumping up the limitations of like, I've sort of created everything I can create within the current structure Two, like this music like, where has it gotten me? Like, here I am, like, I've gotten everything. Here I am, like, my, my choices are being controlled. I have no real agency in my life. I have all this huge success, but no sort of personal agency. And then even in the place where, like, I've defiantly felt like my music is mine, even in that place, that's still a response to my family and my parents. And so I feel this voice coming in and it's kind of saying, where did this all lead to? And I'm kind of just, I'm not saying she's done forever, but in this moment, in this voice, it's like, I'm kind of just done. It's like, mm -hmm. where did this take me? What was the point? And kind of a feeling of remorse or sadness around like the music never fully got to be mine yeah. in the first place. And I think if I were working with her as a client, I would want to really support her to like, how do we get you back? You know what I mean? To yeah. the adolescent who is starting to have these impulses and letting you define your own right relationship to your music. Cause I think that's where everything like kind of went askew. Do you um, have any sense of what, what is the level from her family of this control of greed or nefarious intentions and what is it genuine concern for her do you get any sense of, of um, that yeah it's a tough i mean it's it's sort of like the kim richards of it all right right it's like you know i mean there should be real concern for her because there you know there are ways and places that she's made destructive choices but it's also like but it's also a monster of their making <laughs> right you know so it's like um you know i feel like this predates the success you know, I feel yeah. like this was a dynamic that was already like when I drop into her father, who literally I don't even know what this man looks like, but <laughs> like like when I drop into Jamie Spears towards Brittany, young Brittany, I do get this sense from an early age of like I am very drawn to and attracted to your powerful energy as sort of this young, you know, because like, look, Britney's powerful. And, you know, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about this from like an incest perspective. Right. But, you know, I think we all know, like kids have sexuality, they have their energy, and there's a way to be attracted to energy that's not like, oh, I want to actually have sex with you. Um, I'm not saying that it's comfortable or right, like when parents have like covert attraction to kids mm -hmm. um in fact that can be kind of uh it can be quite traumatic yeah. but i just want to be clear i'm not saying necessarily that jamie you know when i say attracted i just want to make that clear i'm not saying right yeah like, right um but yeah like i'm attracted to you i'm drawn to you but i'm also really threatened by this energy too like it's like in the you know because i think i read too they grew up like it was very conservative it was very religious right so i feel yeah. this kind of divide of like oh, I'm really drawn and attracted to this powerful girl. And also I want to shut that down because I don't like what it brings up in me. And I'm so uncomfortable with this. So I just feel like from an early age, there was already this dynamic. If I trust this information from an early age, there was already this dynamic of like, I really like your energy, but we got to keep this controlled and I want to manage it. I want to use it for my own sense of pleasure and feeling good, but I want to manage it to also kind of keep feeling safe and in control. And so to me, that just feels like the original like hologram and that then all the career stuff sort of built on top of that pattern. So do I think it's like nefarious, like, hey, I'm twirling my handlebar mustache. I want to be as greedy as pot. It doesn't feel quite like that to me. I'm sure there is greed involved. I'm sure they love the money. Oh, yeah. But it feels more like, so 
I mean, the answer is kind of both. I feel like Brittany from an early age got messages about her sexuality, about her wildness and learned like, oh shit, there are these parts of me that are being labeled bad. And so, you know, one, I feel shame about it, but two, I'm also secretly angry about getting these messages that part of me is bad. So what happens is that energy becomes distorted, right? It still lives in her. And so then it starts seeking ways to come out that do end up being distorted. And then, you know, that becomes, it becomes part of the self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, see, Brittany, we told you, you act out, you can't do this. And so then that reaffirms this idea that there's something shameful that she has to try to keep managed or controlled. So I think it's like, you know, the answer is sort of yes to both. I think that there, I think they have a deep unconscious investment and keeping her like in the role of like the chaotic star who can't be trusted. Um, and I also think because of how she was raised, she is very at odds with her own energy and it leads to her making really chaotic, destructive choices. And so she can't fully be trusted right now. I mean, that that all makes a lot of sense. And especially to she, she was getting the messages from, I'm sure her, her family about, you know, her tamping down her, her sexuality or her fiery inner spirit, but also early, early 2000s, late 90s, people were going after her for wearing, you know, belly shirts and, you know, they wanted the sexuality from her, but also uh, punished her, punished her for it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, oh well, no, no, no. Say, it's on, interesting on. that you say that because it's like that's also yeah that's totally the that's the echo that I that I felt like when I saw um so I was reading about her and it was kind of like I think they started I, I think I, yeah I sort of was reading something where they were like she started to push the envelope with the sexuality and I was like oh what I got off that the hit I got off that was like this is her, kind of like Paris, this is her fuck you. This is her saying, I, you know, I feel like to her family, maybe even to like Disney, you know, to yeah. every, like you, there's a subtle covert way you want to exploit my sexuality. And then you also want to like, kind of punish me for it and keep me the good girl. Guess what? I'm pushing the envelope in my career, you know? And again, it kind of comes back to this place where it feels like her music, her performance, her career, it's the one place no one could, I mean, I do think they impose things on her, but, you know, the, there, there, were, there, were, there were restraints on the degree to which they could impose things on her because that is where she's the magician. You know what I mean? Like, that is her domain. They wanted her to keep being successful. To a certain extent, they had to keep letting her do her thing. And so I do think that's a huge part of why we see her. Like, I think one, because it's part of who she is, right? Like right. she wants to express this wild, sexual, empowered energy, but also it just does feel like, it does feel like a fuck you in there of like, this is what I'm doing. Like, and you can't take this from me here because this is what's like earning the big bucks. So, um, and yeah, I just totally agree with you. It, it is that sense of like, oh, you want to punish me. Like you both want to like commodify this and earn money off it, but you also want to punish me for it. So guess what? F you, here it is. Like, you know, I'm going as big with this as I want. Yeah. Wow. But the I last mean, thing I want to say about Brittany, oh, too, sure. just because it feels important, it's like she needs help, you know? And it's like, yeah. I mean, I know that's stating the obvious, but it's just, it, it pains me because I feel like a lot of times um, there's not strong, powerful help available to people. Like, I mean, I see this over and over. I feel like there, I mean, look, this is me getting my soapbox. There's so <laughs> many bad, so many bad therapists out there. There's so many, you know, and especially yeah. when you start getting into like Hollywood, so many people who have their own agendas, want their own success, want their celebrity clients. And it's like, I, I just, it disheartens me because I know there is real help out there. And I do believe Brittany could heal, but she needs real help. And she needs like, and I, I feel like probably her circle, they don't even know where to go for real oh, help. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, it just saddens me because I think what this woman needs, first of all, is time and space. Like she absolutely has to like get out of the limelight for a little while and she has to get real help and support. But like, I do feel like if she could like learn, if she could be surrounded by like real people who could actually help her and could learn to align with her own energy and to like get into a different relationship with her wildness and her 
sexuality and also her artistry, you know, I think she could eventually heal. And so I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm saying this. It just feels <laughs> like important to say that, like, I just think this is a woman, like a lot of people, I think, especially who are in the entertainment industry, I think she needs real, real help. And I, I do get this feeling, honestly, like she is kind of at an impasse moment. Like it feels like there's something happening for her right now where she's kind of standing, I mean, not to reference um, her debut movie, she's standing at a crossroads, yeah. you know? And, <laughs> you know, I hope for her, I don't know, I hope for her that she, you know, somehow is able to find um, real, real help through this. That is, that is the tough thing is, I, I mean, I would not trust a single one of those people controlling her to, to find real help. I mean, I can't imagine that, like you said, they don't even know what real help even looks like. Yeah. Yeah. They probably think it's like, yeah, I mean, it probably has to do a lot with pharmacological medication, which don't yeah. get me wrong. Like that sometimes is needed. Absolutely. But you know, it, it's, it's a situation when it becomes a master rather than a tool. And they probably think it looks like, you know, certain kinds of therapy. And it's just, it's, uh, you know, I, I just know, and I, you know, by the way, again, I'm speaking as someone who is certified in psychotherapy. So I'm not knocking therapy and I've used therapy, but I've just seen so many times, especially clients who come to me and work with me. It's like, even therapists can get locked into like, their diagnostic models and how they approach things. And they're not like really holding the individual, you know, from a place of who is this individual and, you know, what's their own natural creative wisdom. Because Brittany, she's like a firecracker. She's not, I mean, none of us are normal, but this is not <laughs> a normal woman. You know what I mean? Like she right. needs a space where she can explore the many different facets of who she is. And uh, yeah, that's tough. It's tough to find. Oh, Brittany, I, I mean, I hope there's some, there's some strike of fate that the, the right kind of help weasels its way into her, her inner circle. You never know. You, you never, know. never know. <laughs> um, well, on that, on that note, uh, where can people find you? Like, I mean, your Instagram, if you're into Bravo, which I know a lot of my listeners are, you have a great Instagram where you touch on that subject. Yeah, definitely follow me on Instagram. My handle is just my name, Jamie Stein. So it's J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. And like you said, I'm always making videos where I drop into the housewives. Um, and I also do things like every Tuesday night at um, 7 p.m. Pacific, I'll go on live and bring a few people on to ask me questions. So, you know, you can either watch other people getting intuitive reads or if you want to ask me a question, you can do that. Um, and then and it's just kind of a cool little community that's sort of built there of like smart, conscious Bravo watchers and reality yeah. TV lovers. Um, and then, yeah, if you, if you, you know, find yourself listening to this and are sort of drawn, um, you know, to this work, also go to my website. It's hollywoodreadings.com. You can read more about the work there and you can email me if you're sort of feeling called to maybe explore or book a session. And um, yeah, that's pretty much, those are the two main avenues. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was so fun. I feel like I really... I'm seeing into the soul of Paris and Brittany. This is so fun. Thank you, Jamie. Oh, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. All right, guys. Bye.